0: Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to the uh Turning Signals Podcast season finale.
1: Holy moly.
0: It's happening. The sound's different. It sounds different, doesn't it? I think it does. The studio's being emptied out. Yes. As we speak.
1: No soft furnishings. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll come through fine.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it will. Absolutely.
0: Turning Signals Podcast, the number one political astrology podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: only one. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: While we're like off the air, someone starts a new one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: wow, well, it's a. Oh man, it's edgy. I feel like I love it. I just, I wish I had another me so I could. Get commit. Yeah, Just so like weekly episodes yeah, yeah. researched. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, really fun and it's really interesting to. Yeah,
0: it's such a good. That. I mean, it's not like it's been challenge is not quite the right word, but it it's a great discipline I find yeah. to like pick some things that you want to talk about that are relevant yeah. and like critically analyze them. Yeah. Through the lens of like your parts, like astrology, kind of more sociological. Brilliant.
1: (laughs) It's a great concept. (laughs) If we do say so ourselves. Yeah,
0: it's fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed. We really appreciate your listening. Yes, we do. It's lovely to hear your feedback as well. Um, I'm having a black tea, so my mouth's a bit sticky.
1: Um. Yeah, so we do endeavour to pick up where we leave off once you're in Sydney, hey. But um,
0: yes, but there will be slight changes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll we can get to that. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to kick off this week mm-hmm. by asking you about mm-hmm. your book.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well. It's maybe halfway there, but I don't know how long I've been saying that. Um, I haven't, <laughs> I've been a bit stalled because just circumstances have taken me away from writing a bit lately. But um, yes, I have high hopes for it being uh, completed by the end of the Mars <laughs> retrograde. In term, like, when I say completed, I mean my first completed draft, draft like, yeah. that I can actually share with um, someone, um, maybe like a, an editor or something like that mm-hmm. to get some feedback. But I actually having a little break from it helped because when I, I was starting to think it didn't really make sense or maybe it didn't make sense. And then when I took a break from it and went back to it, I was like, Wow, it really actually makes sense. It's got it's got some structure and some cohesiveness and mm. so I'm relieved about that. Well that's great. Because it is quite an undertaking. It is about the age of Aquarius. Okay. And it is about the current, you know, situation in which we find ourselves. So okay, yeah. Like can the, can I just uh, ask when yep. when is
0: the Mars retrograde finishing?
1: So, Uh, yeah, well, it, Mars is in Gemini until March next year and retrograde from, uh, the end of October until, is it January? Yeah, you're testing me. Let me see if I put it in my notes.
0: So is that, you want to have it finished by January? Uh,
1: like, yeah, I hope to. Awesome. I hope to, um, at least have, yeah, that may be a bit too ambitious, but. I'll see how I go. It's good to be
0: ambitious. Yeah,
1: and I if not if I don't get to that point, well, when school goes back next year, I'll be cracking the whip on myself because all three kids will be in school. So
0: no excuses.
1: Yeah, I'll have hopefully at least four to five hours of writing most days. Mm, which will, if I can do that, I'll smash it out because I'm I can write quick when I get going.
0: So. You mentioned that it's about the age of Aquarius. Yes. What kind of book is it?
1: Uh, It's sort of like, let me be concise. I don't want to use the word guide, but it is sort of a guide in the sense that it is providing context and insights and hopefully some guidance to people. I just don't feel very comfortable with the word guidance because I feel I don't like imagining that I know better than other people do. But I do want to provide, yeah, the crux of it is context and mm. insight into where we're at so that people can navigate for themselves. So it will include a section with the transits for the next 30 years right okay um so not every it won't be comprehensive it won't be a complete you know ephemeral sort of guide ephemeris style sort of guide to that to every transit but the major planetary transits mm-hmm. and some sort of um yeah not like horoscopy but just archetypal what you themes can and yeah and you know ways of managing it in a in a kind of the ways that it can manifest positively and negatively, and you know, perhaps where to aim somewhere for the middle ground within that.
0: I, I don't think you should shy away from calling it a guidebook because yeah. it, it sounds to me like you know, I get this impression that it is essentially a, a guide, a tool to have in your chest. For navigating a brand new era, so yeah. when we go into that age of Aquarius, come what moves in October.
1: Oh, um. So and then it's Pluto goes into Aquarius January. Ne- oh, sorry, not January, March next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then goes back to Capricorn for yeah uh, five or six months, but then we'll be in then it's Pluto in, in Aquarius for twenty years, right? Um, so so yeah, whether you call, I mean, that's. Grey area too, because some people would argue that that's not the beginning of the age of Aquarius. To me, I just feel like it's such, I really think it was this um, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction of 2020, end of 2020, that was the real sort of starting gun kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then Pluto going into Aquarius for 20 years will be the birth canal, like proper, like we'll be in
0: it. How technical do you think your book is?
1: Uh, Hopefully, not too technical, but I would like it to be um, to talk about astrology enough that astrologically minded people can get something out of it
0: and maybe learn even something from it.
1: Well, maybe. I mean, yeah, it probably, I don't know. I, because I'm kind of an outsider in the astrology world anyway, and because I'm a bit syncretic, so I don't fit with any one particular school of astrology Mm. I kind of take from various places which is kind of frowned upon everywhere no matter what sort of person like you know discipline you're into um so that's a thing but um I hope that the content and the quality of the book will be enough to prove myself sure that it will actually speak for itself and then people astrologers and non will be able to get plenty out of it and enough that you know, it's like I don't have to defend my having written a book or, like, it's yeah. like, well, yeah, you had plenty the to proof's say. proof's in the pudding. Exactly, yeah.
0: Um, yes, well, I mean, a challenging line to walk between being approachable for yes. novices like myself yes, and then also being able to kind of, yeah, prove your worth to those really high astrology minds. Yes. But I, I think that the way to do it is through authenticity. I think so. I mean, yeah. You refer on the, th- like lean on those references. Yeah. Like, you know, if you want to talk about Jung yeah. or, I mean, I'm not sure, but like Jordan Peterson, for example, if you want to reference, yeah. you know, Hannah Arendt or yeah. Yeah. Matthias Desmet, yeah then that's a way of also linking astrology to the higher minds yeah. in a really practical sense. Yeah. And that can make it like useful for them. Yeah. Whilst your more novice minds will... You know, like myself, m- me reading it, I might kind of be across the Matthias Desmet, Hannah Arendt yeah. references, for example, yeah. if, if there are any. Mm. Yes, But then are. I'm learning the astrology that's linked to that. Yes. So, that's kind of – so, that. It's, I think there can be something for everyone.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I do, yeah, I mean, I have very high hopes for it in the sense that I would like, you know, people to come to astrology mm. because it's just so – it never – ceases to awe me mm. with how rich and meaningful and beautiful it really is and not from a way of trying to you know predict or prescribe or be right about things but just out of pure awe and wonder like mm. it's just it's there proof is of order like, in magic. this chaosmos. like, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> there actually really is and yeah. and i you know, when I've had conversations like when I was a nurse and being in theatre with doctors and, you know, the challenge was always set. Like if if you don't believe in it, why don't you let me read your chart? <laughs> <laughs> let me prove you wrong or come and prove me wrong. But mm-hmm. yes, very few sceptics are willing to do that.
0: <laughs> willing to be proved <laughs> wrong.
1: I guess, yeah.
0: Cool. Oh, well, great. Thanks for telling us about it. Yeah. Where do you think we can find it in the bookshop? Which section? Uh,
1: yeah, that's a good question. I reckon it's Esoterica.
0: New re- Age slash spirituality? Yeah, I guess yeah. so.
1: Like, I hate to say it, but <laughs> I don't know where else. Like, if not there, where? Well, it's fun know. to think about that. Oh, I think it's important. And that's what I've been trying to, you kind of. Um, I wasn't expecting the question, but, um, I had been thinking about, you know, cause you're supposed to have like a, I can't even remember what it's called, but you know, like as part of writing a book, you write your, it's, I'm not you've sure, got to have like a tagline kind of a thing, like a, yeah, you know, like a summary, marketing a, position yeah, yeah, or yeah, like a,
0: ah, an angle.
1: Yes. <laughs> Which is never been, you know, I'm not that way minded. I'm just.
0: But, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the reality, isn't it? And yes. It's, that's fine. I don't think it's going to shape you too much.
1: Yeah. I'll just... Um, the point is to write the thing and then put it out there. Yeah. And then whatever. Write another one.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, you sent me a funny photo. Yeah. Was it this morning? <laughs> Yesterday?
1: No, this morning.
0: Um. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, hopefully Saturday our morning. listeners can, can find it around or it comes across their news feeds. But it's, they set up some kind of, and it, I think it was a digital background. Was it? I think so. So, when Joe Biden gives an address and they set up. But you know, they were his, real
1: Marines.
0: Yeah, okay. Because
1: you can see them moving.
0: Well, I'm not. I'm still not sure. Okay. I okay. think it might be like green screen. Sure.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. But like a V for
0: Vendetta. Yes. So d- that's the thing. Yes. So that's that's the commentary that's coming in from um, observers. Both, okay. You know, on you know both factions. Right. That it looks like a dictator from V for Vendetta. There's these big red flags. It's so draping red. down.
1: It's unbelievably red. Like blood and, red, and
0: he the the position of the camera is like just under it. So they've propped him up as a dictator. It's
1: really bizarre. It's it's,
0: it's experimental. I swear, it's like psychological experiment to oh. see response and engagement mm. and um, subordination, acceptance mm. and resistance. Yeah, it's they're just. I think everything that administration does is. Testing.
1: Testing the waters.
0: Yeah. I love that it that was... I think that happened on Thursday. Yeah. US time. Yeah. And the press secretary, did you see what she said on that day? So, it came across in my Instagram. I spend too much time on Instagram. It's probably two hours a day.
1: I haven't been on there for months.
0: The annoying thing is it's so... Useful for like news, sure, yeah, and because you'd kind of tailor it via who you follow. For me, it's you know it's kind of problematic. Um, but anyway, the press secretary said, "I'm going to quote from Caitlin Johnston's latest article." Caitlin Johnston: Democrats are violent extremists. Um, you know, just going for the grab. Mm-hmm. She's she's not pro Republican. She by certainly any means. isn't. No. So, the quote from the White House press secretary, when you are not with what majority of Americans are, then you know that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. Um, Let me see if I can, I'll just pull up. I think I saved it on my Instagram. You see
1: majority of Americans who disagree and so when you are not with where majority of americans are then you know that is extreme that is an extreme way of thinking
0: so i'm not sure quite what the <clears throat> question was so there's i guess there's like context missing you could say mm. but what she is saying is that to divert from the mainstream views on everything Mm. is an extreme way of thinking so i I think that's fantastic to say that Mm. um and especially alongside this new image of joe biden uh, surrounded by his nazi troops (laughs) because (laughs) what did i write here it clearly highlights the democrats line on any divergent thinking Mm. um that kind of a statement is clearly fascist yeah Consider it coming from the mouth of a conservative.
1: Oh, my God. Imagine if Trump Imagine it did was, that. Imagine. There'd be riots. Oh, my God. The riots
0: would just kick off. So, And to me, it, it just boggles to, to consider that any reasonable person could defend the Democrats at this stage for what they're doing.
1: But people are. The Guardian article so, I read about it.
0: So that's unreasonable. And and so now we're seeing really clear examples well, of things becoming completely fucking psychotic.
1: And that's the thing about the heiress part, hey? That the exposure of the whole thing is just undeniable now. Yeah. That if as you say, like reasonable people can't can't deny that there's something seriously going on in yeah. the world. <laughs> and that everything is not okay. <laughs>
0: I'm just going to read a little bit of Caitlin's newsletter. Sure. Um, If you look at who is inflicting the most violence, terrorism and tyranny upon the largest number of people in our world, it's clear from the numbers that the worst offender by far is not fringe neo-Nazi groups, etc., but the bipartisan political consensus of the US centralised empire. Mm -hmm. Um, Another great passage. She says, The only reason mainstream views espoused by Democrats and Republicans are mainstream is because massive amounts of narrative management have gone into creating (laughs) that consensus.
1: No shit.
0: The fact that the social engineers of the oligarchic empire have poured vast fortunes into making sure Americans consent to capitalism, corruption, militarism and murder is the only reason those perspectives are so mainstream and that they can be labelled moderate or centrist.
1: She should have said crony capitalism, because that's
0: yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, great article. As always, recommend checking out Caitlin on Substack. Yeah. So yeah, it's all unraveling in front of our eyes and <laughs> <laughs> So
1: what are we gonna do about it? You know, again, I mean there's plenty there are plenty of people who you know, I hate to say it, but are fooled by this and still their greatest fear appears to be the return of trump Hmm. um which you know i'm no trump fan but i think that biden is (laughs) you know i mean they're all puppets to some extent and i think that's what i do appreciate about trump is he seems to be less of a puppet um whether that's true or not or whether he's you know playing his role Mm. You know, maybe Putin's playing a role. Maybe, you know, maybe the whole thing is completely David orchestrated. David,
0: I argue that they're all just puppets. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. And yeah, that, I mean. It's probably true.
1: It probably is. Yeah. And I have no real idea. And I don't spend enough time in the rabbit holes to really.
0: In a way, it doesn't kind of matter.
1: Yeah. No, it's certainly. That's right. I mean, you still have to live your own life. And what does it matter what these idiots say <laughs> or do? But it is. F-
0: the thing is, I guess where it matters is how caught up people are in it yeah and that you know groups of individuals and so groups mobs yeah just usher in this totalitarianism yeah um, and that is
1: disturbing because people think that trump is the worst possible outcome mm. a lot of people think that if trump comes back that's the you know the end of america or whatever mm. which is delusional actually because you're already living in the end of america yeah (laughs) yeah what else is biden but your worst freaking nightmare i mean it's from you know yeah trump was bad but then you look at biden it's like wow weekend at bernie's um yeah and
0: democracy is being utterly eroded yeah like in front of our very eyes while they're saying nothing to see here and yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because the when Trump was in, the media were saying this is a great threat to our democracy all the time, like that Trump is undoing democracy. It was like it actually wasn't yeah. – that wasn't happening then. No. You were saying it was happening. Yeah. Now you're saying it's not it's happening. It's not happening, but it will when happen it again. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> Which is like to me – I mean, there's a hell of a lot of projection going on with what – because everything – that I heard that Biden was saying is basically speaking about exactly what they're doing,
2: mm.
1: but he's talking about that as being the threat from Trump and Trump's yes. supporters. Yes, it which is like projection, like you know, psychologically, it's projection. But it also feels to me to be this an antedromia thing, which I've mentioned so many times. You know, this things turning into their opposites, where people like Democrats and their supporters lefties, wokeies, whatever, genuinely believe themselves to be anti-fascist <laughs> yeah. on the right side of history, yeah. you know, fighting for democracy. They genuinely believe that and mm. that Biden is the way? What? Like, it, So there's this real, like, mass hypnosis. It's yes. got to be. It's yeah. got to be. What other answer is there? Yeah. I mean, it may not be that alone, but that, you know, Matthias Desmet's work seems to really... It's been the most sensible thing I've heard anyone with anybody. I love so, that book. Yeah, it's I, amazing, yeah. isn't it?
0: The psychology of totalitarianism. Get it? Yes. It's it's, it's a easily readable.
1: Absolutely. So very it's short. It's approachable. Yes. Very you know laid. Super informative and down to
0: earth. Yeah. It's almost and I interesting too. I thought too it was a little engaging. too down to earth in a way. Yeah. 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 Maybe. <laughs> but yeah. But I think maybe he's toned it down a bit for a. a mainstream audience so he can like tap into that
1: i think so i think he's trying to be as inclusive in the best way as he possibly can
0: it occurred to me after i finished it how um years ago i remember kind of learning and i think it's common knowledge i think everyone probably who listens to this podcast would know that television puts you in a hypnotic state Mm. like it if you kind of Focused on television, it puts you into this like almost sleep-like state where you are easily hypnotized. Mm. Um, And according to that book, it's like not everyone is able to be, but the majority of people can really easily be hypnotized. So if if you spend a few hours a day in front of the television, it is clearly set up to hypnotize you. If you're consuming that kind of television, that media, like informational media
1: and therefore the suggestibility of that state is so like you just don't even question you Uh, just take all that information in like a sponge yeah and then go spit it back out (laughs) when you're like
0: faced with like any challenging arguments to that and that's absolutely what you and i have experienced a lot (laughs) this year and and even last year yeah um hey enough about america really Oh well no, t- I we want to go into the Astro. Yeah, sure. Tell us yeah. where what's going on?
1: Uh well we're at the first quarter moon, so recording this Saturday afternoon. Um what's the date? The ninth. Third. Oh, the thir- the ninth. But it's I'm the gonna ninth it month. will be
0: published tomorrow this one. <laughs> sure. So we'll yes, see you on course. the fourth.
1: Um yeah, so by then it will be just past the first quarter square moon, um, of this Virgo lunar cycle. So it, I found last month. Last time we spoke was just after the Aquarius, or just before the Aquarius full mm, moon. Full moon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um And it was such an intense month. I thought with you know real, you know, conflict and serious outcomes, trouble. <laughs> I don't know. I hope it wasn't as hard for everyone as it was for me. But I did learn so much. And one of the things that I think you know because the sun was opposite Saturn, and that full moon really brought up a whole lot of stuff, and some of the lessons I learned about it were like around responsibility, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly mm-hmm. with Saturn there um and I you know it's like it's quite cruel like the higher our level of consciousness gets, sorry, apologies for the elitist tone to this, but I just have to say it um. But there is, you know, a higher requirement when our consciousness is raised, we're called to account in terms of our behavior and the ways that we conduct ourselves in the world. Mm. And that really... And off comments you had made about... Because um, you have quite a an affinity with the story of the Red Knight and Parsifal oh, yeah. and all of that. And so I got... That was really came up for me as well. Like Parsifal as the hero and the red knight as his shadow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, you know, to cut a long story short, Parsifal kills the red knight and then dons his armor Mm -hmm. and is therefore becomes the red knight. Mm -hmm. But he has to go through a whole lot of trials and tribulations to become a proper knight, of -hmm. course. But knighthood is such an interesting thing because it's this like, um, virtuous, chivalrous um, embodiment of the warrior. Mm. So it's not just a soldier. Mm-hmm. You're not just fighting, you know, stabbing people willy-nilly, cutting heads off and raping and pillaging as you go through the wherever, conquering. You're very noble. You have responsibility. a responsibility in- Yes, exactly. And you carry it and you wear it well, you mm-hmm. know. So that was a big thing of what I learned about last month, which I just wanted to share because it's sort of like this movement from Leo into Virgo, this like transition, you know. Virgo is a very transitional sign. The sun is now in Virgo. Um, We'll have the Pisces full moon in a week or so. And, um, yeah, it just brings up this transitional axis of Virgo Pisces that's so going from this kind of inflated specialness of leo which is so bright and shiny mm-hmm. to the earthy ground of virgo
2: mm-hmm.
1: where you just got to be real and you've got you know like you've got to do the work it's humble but it's sacred mm-hmm. you know like there's it's so meaningful anyway and i just wanted to share that cuz yes it is it was the virgo new moon on the 27th of august
0: it's and it was so square useful. to
1: mars and well, I hope it's, so. And I, I
0: I love there's a certain um, like a, a logic to that almost. Well, that's that like after idea, you have this yeah. high of like Leo and it's kind of ridiculousness, yeah, <laughs> like I say, that right, as a Leo. Yeah, yeah. And you've got this kind of crash, which yeah. is also like, really beneficial well
1: it's humility versus humiliation so it okay, can totally yeah. be a crash like you can a fall from grace absolutely but yeah i mean that, but it's so I, I necessary i don't say that as a negative no though. no it's, i know i know it's like this fall from
0: grace onto like a bed of autumn leaves well or yeah
1: mate if you're lucky or it might be a crash into a big pile of shit but you like you grow knee deep in shit don't you mm. like and that's the only way to grow really um, not to say that Virgo is, you know, a pile of shit either. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's not what I mean.
1: <laughs> Virgo is a very misunderstood sign, I feel, and perhaps even the most beautiful in many ways. Um,
0: Some of my closest peeps are Virgos.
1: Oh, man, it's such an incredible archetype. It's super and annoying. It's ver- yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, because it can be really super critical of none more so than oneself. Yeah, that's true. That's a thing yeah. of Virgo for sure but um yeah i just like wanted to yeah cuz there is something very special about the leo thing and we don't want to detract from that solar radiance and we all have a right to feel special and like the star of our own show um but yes we also have to bring it down to earth um so that we can relate to other people in mm. libra so mm. that's the next step on that journey but um yeah, and the new moon being square to Mars and the sun only now separating from the square with Mars really brings in that kind of warrior thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be a warrior, you want to be fighting fair, mm-hmm. not just, you know, like I said, cutting off heads for fun. Mm.
2: <clears throat>
1: so, yeah, being um very, what's the word, discriminating, discerning about what fights what conflicts we're going to involve ourselves in it's a bit fraught this weekend because the moon's involved um so it can be a bit emotional and a bit there's like that potential for arguments and disagreements but that's never a bad thing in my mind it's always you know mm-hmm. energetically it is fraught but it is also rich and meaningful and you know working things out is a good thing not shying away from differences anyway um so yeah the mars what was i gonna say yeah the mercury retrograde that's coming so mercury's within its shadow zone at the moment visible still in the evening sky if you've got um no not too many clouds and it's sort of the mercury retrograde will offer like a glimpse of the mars retrograde that begins at the end of october um and that will be very interesting. So the main thing I wanted to say about the Mercury retrograde was that it is involving Jupiter. So today, is it? Yes, today is the um, first oppos- uh, yeah opposition between Mercury and Jupiter, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful energetic that can easily <laughs> sort of can manifest in a way that is you know, too much information kind of thing versus that's that's Mercury versus Jupiter's like rigid idealism, you know. Like yeah, right. <laughs> so it can manifest in that kind of awkward way that nothing good can come of that kind of situation. Um, but a different way of looking at it that I was listening to Jordan Peterson and Ian McGilchrist, and Ian McGilchrist, of course, wrote the incredible master and his emissary about the um, hemispheric model of the brain Mm -hmm. which fits so well with mercury and jupiter because mercury is like the left brain Mm -hmm. like that reason logic science brain Mm -hmm. that breaks things down it's reductionist you know it like sees all the little parts and separates them all out whereas jupiter is like the cohesive whole like the right brain so that imaginative, intuitive,
0: creative, yeah,
1: bringing it all together into one cohesive whole. Uh huh. So ideally, I mean, we have to have both functioning in us mm. and it, our culture and our society tends so much towards the left brain mm-hmm. hemisphere. And that may well have been what led us into this trouble that we're in, mm. this scientism, way of looking at the world, Mm -hmm. reductionist materialism or whatever you call it that's like just so dominant. Mm. But one little quote that I wanted to share from Ian McGilchrist, he said, attention is a moral act. It is an active, open receptivity, which is such a – I just thought that's a cool thing to keep in mind with the mercury retrograde but also and perhaps especially – with Mars retrograde in Gemini. Can you read that again? Sure. Attention is a mor- a moral act. Sorry. Can you edit that? Yeah. <laughs> Attention is a moral act. It is an active, open receptivity, not passive.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> That's so funny I would ask you to repeat it. No, I'm no, like, but, I I know j- but... I was caught up on the <clears> first part. It's, it's very profound.
1: Yeah. Well, I think... Um, it's very useful for the rest of this year okay. it's very um and i think we should view our attention as being sacred which is yes. a really good virgo lesson too because virgo is ruled by mercury um, so the power of the mind within virgo so i I view Virgo as having the co-rulership with Chiron as well, which I won't go down that rabbit hole today, but some other time we should definitely talk about that Um, because there is the sort of crisis component um, to the Virgo archetype. But, yeah, I mean, just realising the power of the monkey mind and Mm. where we direct our attention is so, so important. And
0: how much we spend... Focusing our mind unconsciously.
1: Yeah, and like even it's, you mentioning before, like spending two hours on Instagram. There's not anything necessarily wrong with that, but you do have to be aware of things like that. Yeah,
0: um, I, and I'm I am getting better at that. And I mean, in the defence of anyone who spends hours a day on Instagram, um,
1: or any other platform, yeah,
0: any other you know staring at screens, yeah, it can be useful it For can be sure. uplifting yeah it can be it's very much about content isn't it it's the a, content
1: yeah. that you choose to engage with i think that's a big part of it
0: and i think yeah i i constantly am kind of shaping my news feed because if if i repeatedly disagree with something mm-hmm. or <laughs> i'll shut it up <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> disagree with me shut that shit down i'll unfollow <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just cultivating this echo chamber, which just Penciled. kicks off my, um, you know, dopamine. Yeah. So it's just about dopamine. Yeah. But, you know, being conscious of that is, you know.
1: Well, that's a huge part of the thing. And then it, once you're aware of it, there's a whole lot less of a hold on you. It's less compulsive, I think, yeah. if you're aware of it. And then that's... making conscious choices. Because yeah. there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. I mean, it's how I've...
0: Got to stare at something.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, it's how I've endured parenthood. (laughs) It's it's not exactly what I mean, but, you know, um, because little kids can be quite mind-numbing, dare I say it. Um, Sorry (laughs) to all the conscious parents out there, but sometimes it's like, you know, bashing your head against a wall. Like you need some adult stimulation, adult-stimulating conversation, um, which is often lacking in general, like with so much small talk and all that kind of thing that happens in the social world. Mm. So, I mean, as someone with Mars in Gemini in my birth chart, it's like I need that mental stimulation to keep me awake and alive and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. engaged with my life. So Refreshed. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, just awake. hey, And that is... So doable now with content online, mm-hmm. free content online like the the lectures and stuff that mm. are available on youtube man yeah. like i I could spend a lot of my life on YouTube, even youtube I mean I'm so like uh, ten years ago whatever you know, like, but I love that I just love that you can just immerse yourself in this very you know, I don't think of myself as an intellectual, but I do love that intellectual kind of stimulation. I watched some and listening awesome to people talk.
0: YouTube stuff this week from... I went back through The Pursuit of Wonder. Oh, yeah. Like the catalogue. Because I, I think they had what a is new that? one.
1: What is The Pursuit, Pursuit of, of Wonder? Wonder? That's exactly what I was going to talk about with Jordan Peterson. We have to call him Dr. Peterson.
0: Yes. Oh... So, yeah, Pursuit of Wonder. So, ones that i watched. The Desire for Nothingness. Is it how the way you respond to anxiety changes your life? Mm-hmm. Anxiety is the key to greatness. So, you know, that's referencing our boy Kierkegaard. Everything you believe is based on what you've been told. So, yeah, it's like psychology and philosophy. Mm-hmm. But then what's that channel that we both love? The,
1: um, What is the one? Hang on, I'll find it. I've got School of Life in my head because I found a cool Elaine de Botton quote. Um,
0: school of Life is it's great. Not,
1: yeah, they are good, but that's not who we're talking about.
0: I'm going to um, look at my saved things. Then I'll find I'll look
1: at my YouTube oh, Academy of ideas ugh yeah that's the one. yeah, he's brilliant that guy. or those people I don't know that it's one person, but
0: just the best
1: Yes, a treasure trove. So of...
0: 12 days ago, how to stop wasting your life, Carl Jung Jung's uh, therapist Yes that was amazing I mean it's not it's not just that you know it's why suffering can promote strength and health.
1: I love that one.
0: It is all so incredibly wonderful. Uh, Just let me... One that I watched that I just found so useful. Oh, so do we live in a brave new world?
1: Oh, yeah. That was a good one. And is
0: 1984 becoming a reality? Yeah. So, those are both from a year ago. Yeah. Um, Oh, I just the depth that they go into in those. I was yeah, just they're amazing. so stunned. I think when
1: he brought those out was when I became a paid subscriber because it was just like, oh, my God, you really... I mean, that's such a public service to go to that depth in 20 minutes or whatever he does. And, you know, it's just... I mean, he's got a huge following for yeah, just one... 1. 1.4 million
0: yeah, That's quite good. I mean, you know, but the, there's
1: no Joe Rogan, but who is?
0: So that... That 1984 becoming a reality is 2.1 million views. Mm,
1: which is so good. So, yeah. I mean, that's about it. You know, you don't get a lot better than that. Apart, Although I did start watching that Bob Lazar interview with Joe Rogan. Okay. Did you... And that's had 43 million views. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. It is interesting. That's interesting because, you know, any kind of chat that comes up about UFOs is kind of being ignored a lot. Yeah. People don't seem to be very interested in that.
1: People are obviously interested in him, Bob Lazar.
0: Yeah. I think his story is heaps more like authentic and interesting than it's... those like CIA releasing wow. footage of...
1: That's the thing is it's pretty... I mean, when you listen to him, he's such a, an approachable kind of a person mm. and it's hard to imagine that people can discredit what he's saying because it's just so... Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, it's very interesting. He worked at Area 51 for those who don't know the name. Yes.
0: Yeah. He's got all mm. the inside info. Yes. Hey um let's crack on. Yes. More on Astro? Uh
1: well, what can I say? Hang on a minute. Let me just Oh, so the other thing, um the sun Oh, I was going to give dates for the Mercury opposite Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, the first one today, 3rd of September, second one on the 19th of September, and then the third one on the 12th of October for people who like to be connected to those little nuances. Um, what can we look forward to? Well, as I said, it's this like left brain, right brain balancing act mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So, paying attention to the little things while we don't lose sight of the big things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've, yeah, an amazing astrologer Stephen Arroyo wrote about the need to balance the energies of Gemini, Sagittarius or Mercury, Jupiter, um, the Jupiterian way of learning must be utilized to enable us to actually let in the new facts and observations that Mercury will later analyze. So that's a big thing mm. being open-minded to the information that's coming into our consciousness And I find it really interesting because it's like when you look at (laughs) the various things that are emerging into the collective consciousness at the moment, like suddenly in more in mainstream media, this like mentioning of excess deaths. Oh, yeah. You know, like that kind of a thing that was um, predicted by those who were concerned about the vaccines, you know, two Mm. years ago and, you know cautioning against their widespread indiscriminate use. Um, But, of course, now those excess deaths are being attributed to either lockdowns or climate change. Yes,
0: climate change. (laughs) (laughs) That meme meme. of like, (laughs) I'm just going to check your chest for climate change. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean... (laughs) But things are changing and, you know, changes to isolation requirements and vaccine recommendations that are no longer recommended for pregnant or breastfeeding women now. It's like, oh, oh you, yeah. think, you know, like after, yeah, I mean, it's distressing. But it's just interesting to look at in terms of there is information coming out. into. I mean, information that for many of us, for our listenership, we're well aware of this information it's not new but for the wider collective it's like perhaps new information that hasn't been known before and are we willing to open our ears to it (laughs) Mm -hmm. or open our eyes to what it actually suggests um probably not but that was an interesting theme that i thought that we might see the development of that through the mercury retrograde or something to be aware of Mm. um And Mercury retrograde begins on the 10th of September and goes through till the 2nd of October. And of course, you know, it can be troublesome in some ways. Um, You know, tech and miscommunications, those kinds of things can be kind of a nuisance. But really, it's more about this, um, I shouldn't say, but really, as well. It's also this opportunity to reflect and perhaps reorient to where we're going and the way we're going about things and what we're doing and yeah trying to hear what life is saying to us mm. i think i've mentioned before about that um, that um, oh now it's left my brain sorry you have to edit that <laughs>
0: <laughs> saying to us saying to us, yeah. saying to us.
1: Life is always talking to us. Hey, his name is um, Stephen Parker, is it? Or Peter Parker? <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man.
0: <laughs> is there anything you can't do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just leave it all in there. It's just a mess. Um. <laughs> like my brain.
0: Yeah, I I love that though. That life is always speaking to us if it you're is, listening. Yes, and isn't it funny strange. how you sometimes feel abandoned, or like, a kind of void of connection and things, um, encouragement, uh, optimism, and then it'll come back to you, and you'll be like, ah. Oh.
1: It's amazing, and yeah, and I, I mean, was.
0: It's like the Wizard of Oz. If i had never had it to begin with, it wasn't mine. Or oh, whatever that quote is. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a mess. I was up <laughs> late last night <laughs> celebrating. Oh, I, lovely.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. It's a um, time. Yeah. So I, I don't know what my excuse is. Kids in my bed, I guess. <laughs> um,
0: hey, should we push on to Dr. Peterson?
1: Oh, sure. You you got more? Well, one more thing. Can I just say one more thing? Sorry. So the sun, it will be opposing Juno with the asteroid Juno on the 8th of September. And she shows up, um, or that can show up. Juno corresponds partly to commitments and fidelities and loyalties. So this transit on the 8th may show up like the positive and negative consequences of our fidelities let's Mm. say so and it's important to be aware that we may not like these commitments that we've made these loyalties that we have you know allegiances um may not necessarily be conscious or explicit but they are implied by our deeds by our actions Mm. you know it's like when you think about what are my values or you've got to think about where you spend your time and money
0: (laughs) right yes (laughs) um so
1: in a similar way it's like what am i loyal to what are my allegiances and when you think about like how you spend what you do with your energy you know like what your actions can tell you about what you're loyal to um and that can be like quite brutal when you become conscious of that like awareness and you know often we become conscious through suffering and through the consequences of our actions that are not that positive. Mm. So that can be a thing in the coming week. And, you know, just the square again between the sun and Mars, which is um, separating now, but it's just this um, being aware of like the minutiae and the small stuff in life. And, yeah, like that there is... You know, we're trying to sort of go in one direction and it may not appear as though we're going to go that way, which sort of ties into what you were just saying. And you sort of lose faith mm. for a bit. And, you know, this ties into the Mercury retrograde that's imminent too, because it's like you seem, it seems like you lose traction or something, like something's gone wrong. But it's not necessarily the case. Mm. It's just this t- period of reflecting and making use of doing what you can do in the moment, whatever mm. that might be, and dealing with the small stuff and dealing with the conflicts as they arise in the most nightly way you possibly can, mm. you know, rising to that challenge of being, you know, the best you you can be or whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as well as being authentic, though, like you want to be true to your own self. But, yeah, um, that's that's really all it's just facing up to life as it exists mm. in the little things and um making the best of that and yeah the full moon in pisces in a week mm. which yeah it ties into that again because it's like that with neptune involved and juno involved and there may be like a disillusionment of sorts or like a burst bubble or two but um it It's certainly about revealing the choices of actions, I think, and um, hopefully there's some sweetness amongst that, like <laughs> some positives for mm. people. Yeah. Mm. So go ahead. Go where you want to go.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, we are going to talk about Jordan Peterson.
1: Whether you like it or not.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? I, just this morning I... Spend a little time, before we go into Jordan, Dr. Peterson, um, I spent a little time just checking out this podcast that I occasionally indulge in, the Fleckers podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Fleckers is like a right-wing dude.
1: I've heard you mention him before. Yeah.
0: So, he started out doing like Vox Pops at like generally like left-wing events, like rallies and going to like colleges and antagonizing kids with a mic and a camera but he's always been quite (laughs) very like restrained and respectful Mm -hmm. he's very clever i Mm -hmm. would think even though he kind of comes across as just like a dude but he can argue super like his logic is flawless like he you know he's definitely studied logic um and he really coaxes like college kids and whatnot into like contradicting themselves and things yeah yeah so he's he's like an antagonist but um
1: that's such an important role
0: yeah i think he's not he's he's actually i think he's got a a young man doing it for him now yeah right because and he kind of focuses more on his podcast and he edits what i think is one of the most entertaining things you can watch sometimes it's too much it's called um this week in culture yeah which i've I haven't mentioned for ages, but I I think I used to reference it. it. Um, And he just collects like, they're about 25 minutes and it's just collections of um, people robbing shops or like rioting or looting or, um, you know, it'll be shots of like abortion rallies or, you know, it's basically he's like pointing at the left saying, look at this meltdown in America Mm. and look who's at the centre of it. So he's definitely got a right wing bias. He yeah. absolutely wouldn't shy away from it. But it's interesting because he doesn't he doesn't put commentary. Mm. And so he doesn't really put spin. Mm. He certainly points his camera in a way. Sure. But he doesn't What's happening is what's happening. Yeah. Um I've tried to reference him for arguments and people just like, he's a Trump supporter. I'm not fucking looking at that. And yeah. it's like Well, he's not saying it, he's just showing you what's happening. So Anyway, I've I've really enjoyed um, Flecker's, and um, it's a bit broy, so I can't I don't spend too much time with it. But I like to check in because he does like cringe of the week on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's he's heaps after like trans, like kids shows mm-hmm. at the moment. Like he's um, and he he he's a big fan of Andy No. Yeah, he references Andy No a lot. Um, but yeah, on the, the cringe of the week this week was in Roanoke in Texas, there was like a drag event at a big venue and it was like all ages and like parents taking their kids into this drag event. Um, and lined up around the, the block were far members with rifles, wow. like American rifles, like wow. AR-15s and shit. So that to me is like an escalation. I just thought it was really worth mentioning because, you know, some time back we're talking about how the um, increase in pushing sexual agendas onto children Mm. will be more – it will conjure more resistance from people who are anti that. Mm. And so I suppose that gun owners like Fleckers and people who are way less tolerant than Fleckers and are gun owners Mm. are – prepared to start pushing back against those kind of events. Mm. And then if you've got the escalation of proponents of that, arming themselves, mm. this is what the beginning of civil war looks like, if you ask me. Well, it's a proper escalation. And in- and it's inflammatory for mm. them to do that. Yeah. And they know what they're doing. Antifa so know what they're doing.
1: Let's just backtrack a bit. because um, So, Antifa obviously not are they against the
0: they're pro this sexualization of children agenda well that's so they the, are there to yeah protect the drag performers and okay
1: whatnot. so that's what i just wanted to make that clear because um yeah. yeah so wow it's so disturbing and yes it's very antagonistic and oh, i know it and it, I the freak thing is out that when i see these kinds of images coming out of america cuz it's like man and
0: so andy no tweeted that and then right. you know he's he's always doing a lot about i was going to play something from him actually but i won't bother his twitter is <laughs> real life and yeah. he's he's all over like he uses twitter very heavily for, he'll yeah. probably be banned soon mm. um but you know he's he's of the position that he's he's gay and he yeah. Calls himself a he says a member of the so-called LGBTI community, Yeah. Um, because he definitely has like allies within that, and of a course. growing amount of them. So this you know Gays against groomers mm. kind of movement is gaining heaps of traction. Yeah, it's getting more and being and more.
2: very
1: demonised as well.
0: Yeah, well they've been banned from Twitter.
1: Yeah, right. I'm not surprised. Um,
0: but I mean that's so all publicity is kind of good publicity yeah. in that way. But it is it is escalating. That mm. whole space is like heating up. I was thinking, I mean, for anyone who's like, well, why can't kids go to drag shows? Like, okay, sure. The thing is, heaps of the imagery that I see is um, explicit, not mm. suitable for children. Yeah. So there'll be like nudity, mm. tits popping out of like drag queens. And like drag queens in America, they get fucking tits. Yeah. Like they, yeah. you know, they're he she's yeah it's quite to me even when i was in like california and in hollywood and witnessing that i was like that is shocking like to me i was like 26 27 years old and being like that is really confronting and i'm not sure that i want to see it yeah so
1: for kids showing that to children like i and normalizing it and to me
0: yeah well the normalization of it and it's you know it follows that line that quote that teacher that came out the other week and was like Girls, it's no problem if you want to chop your boobs off because mm. you can always get them you can get them put back in later. Oh my god. She she was a a, a cis woman yeah, who said that. Yeah. Like what a nerve. Yeah. And for me, I guess I would liken those kind of drag events. It's adult entertainment. Mm. And I saw a, a great It's um, like a strip saw, club. Would you it's take It's the same as a strip club. A strip that club. That is exactly. It is the same as going to a strip club. It seems would you like take a your no-brainer. kids into a strip club and just, No, why wouldn't you? Because it's a sexual environment. It's sexualized and it's like adult entertainment. (laughs) How is it different for a drag queen show?
1: I have no idea how they can really... And so
0: now there's gaining in that movement actually for Gays Against Groomers is a whole like drag are coming on board with that as well because they're like, it's meant to be our space. It's fun. It's sassy. It's sexualized. Yeah. Not necessarily sexy because it's not really... Traditionally, drag's not about sex. It's actually well, it can be. It's a lot of things. Yeah. But I've seen a ton of drag shows. Like every gay bar in the world that you go to has like a drag show. Sure. You know, at some.
1: Well, you would hope so. Yeah, but it sure would hope so. If and I was going.
0: Yeah, it's 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 fun. Yeah. But it's r-rated yeah it's for adults yeah. and that's kind of what keeps it fun that it's like naughty it's off well, you, want it, it's edgy, taboo, you it's want it edgy yeah. as, you like,
1: want it to be like that, even to, and and over it can be the challenging. edge like it can yeah be yeah like, yeah, and, yeah and it kind of should be for adults
0: for adults yeah <laughs> but also like i guess the thing is and there's a comedy element to most drag that sure. i have witnessed yeah. and i suppose that that is like the avenue for showing it to kids because mm-hmm. there's like a, there is a playfulness about it yeah but it's I mean it's beyond that
1: yeah, I think the- it needs to be simplified in the sense that because that's another thing is it sort of it's muddying the waters for the legitimate LGBTq plus mm. people yes who may or may not want to identify with that group but are not cis Mm. or you know so it's making it more difficult for those people absolutely who are legitimately like yourself you know it's (laughs) just like you're blurring the boundaries here where it just needs to be if it's sexual in nature if the content is sexual in nature it's not for kids how hard is that and that's regardless of your sexual preference (laughs) like (laughs)
0: Just because it's so, queer, yeah, does that, doesn't make it suitable it's still for children. Off limits,
1: and in some ways, like, and this is a slippery slope, and it's hard to say. But it's like, and I don't really have the answer. But I, fi- I find with my own kids and in having conversations around these themes, it's like it's hard to know how much information to provide because, like, because in some ways, it is normal for some people to have. Um, you know, like same-sex attraction is normal, you know, like it's on a spectrum of, I don't know, is it? Is spectrum the right I'm word? I'm not sure
0: actually anymore. It's very it confusing. it exists though. It like exists yes. and it
1: should be talked about. So that's a thing. Yeah. But then how far do you take it? And I think that's like where it gets really sticky is probably a good word because it's like, the introduction of all these difficult conversations into like primary schools mm. which is happening around the world now it's yeah. like really i don't know if that's where it belongs those yeah. conversations no, not- and is it for teachers to be saying particular things or schools to have a policy about gender identification and things like gender that gender ideology yeah when I really it's so. like cuz you don't want to abnormalize you know, heterosexuality either, or you know, like the whole. So
0: Okay, that's the thing. That's <clears throat> another point that kind of came across my mind when I was thinking, like likening drag to a sex, uh, sorry, a, a strip show.
2: Yeah.
0: If if I were to say it's the same as a strip show, and someone were to say, "No, it's not," well then I would say to that person that you are you are otherizing. Yeah. You Othering. are. You are othering my sexuality.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: So, fuck off. So got that gaslighter.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, that's yeah, that's it, all I wanted to it, say. Sure. I just
1: it's yeah. Interesting it's interesting and it's hard to navigate it. You know, it's really very tricky ground, and I think it's legitimate. Aquarian, you know age of aquarius sort it's of good it's
0: coming up it's a battle we can actually get through and i and think
1: we should try to you know as as conscious people we have a responsibility we are called to the fight it so doesn't
0: need to be the end of humanity no we can-
1: and i i think it's just gone very extreme at the moment and yeah We Mm. do need to have our wits about us and not just, like, stick our heads in the sand about it because it's definitely a thing. It's definitely becoming more and more a thing in even little old southwest Australia. Mm. You see more and more and hear more and more about it. Yeah. I mean, we live in a globalised world, so,
2: yeah,
1: its reach is... Mm.
0: So thank you for letting me round. Now, okay. on to are we an hour? Oh, we're well over.
1: So, should we? Do you want to stop and do a separate Jordan Peterson one?
0: Oh, nah. No. Let's have a long season finale. Okay. Well, how how long do you think we'll talk about Jordan Peterson?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It just might be easier for him to listen to less of.
0: Uh. Well. <laughs> I could I could do an edit.
1: <laughs> oh sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And probably uh, our audience can turn off at this point if they don't want to listen to us.
0: Yes. Trying to. Okay. That's woo a good idea. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're trying to do? I don't know. I think you're trying to do that. Um, <laughs> and I'm on board. <laughs> All right. So for the next <laughs> half hour. Oh,
1: is that how it is?
0: For the next half hour we will be Addressing our dear Dr. Peterson. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, um, I don't quite remember when Jordan Peterson entered my life. I don't quite remember.
1: I remember precisely. Okay, tell us. Uh, He'd been introduced to me by a friend who had mentioned him to me and he'd sort of been on my periphery for a while, but then there was one night where I, because I used to watch the ABC's oh, Q&A. Oh, q yes. And he was on yes. and I was absolutely excited to see him there because uh-huh. I had been curious for a while and interested to hear what he had to say and I couldn't, I wanted to find fault with him mm. and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that he said that I disagreed with.
0: Yes. I think I recall feeling the same when I eventually watched that Q&A and I can't quite remember if it was at that time or later.
1: So that was 2017, I think, was it?
0: Maybe 2016.
1: Amazing. So I – and at that time I was reading lots of James Hillman Mm. and as soon as I came across Jordan Peterson, James Hillman went out the window (laughs) Because I had found this new replacement antagonist in my life. Because it's not like I agree wholeheartedly with everything he's said ever since, but he challenges me in such a brilliant way. Like James Hillman has also done that for me. Mm. You know, it's confronting. It's like bringing you face to face with uncomfortable truths that you just have to you have to be with that. Mm. And I love that. I so appreciate. whoever can fulfill that role in my life i try and do it for myself as well Mm. to to be honest with myself but yes he's definitely been helpful in that regard for me thinking about difficult things in the world and in my own subjective psychology Mm. yeah
0: well I suppose yeah I mean so he he came to Australia at that time mm. and so he entered That's the right. kind of Zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. So yeah I I mean I was into my socialist party thing at that time. Were
1: you in Melbourne then? Yes.
0: Yeah. And so I remember I'm not I don't think I would have watched that Q&A but I remember seeing cuz he did a lot of media like
1: Yes. He was stuff. on tour. Yes. Mm.
0: And there was the thing you know, it's quite sensationalized of like him destroying people. Yeah. In like...
1: Which he does.
0: <laughs> he doesn't. Like, But it, it's because he wins arguments. Like he's <laughs> very good at arguing. So he would like win arguments and expose people's logical fallacies and stuff. So, I mean, I found it quite impressive. But I, I do remember my close friend, Ben, staunch, staunch socialist at that time, kind of talking about Jordan Peterson in a way that's like, Ugh, you know, right wing. You love him like, or hate him, hey? And of course, he was the enemy of like the Socialist Party. Like, he was, you know, because he's. Uh, what would you say? I mean.
1: Well, he's very much a proponent of individual responsibility. He's pro capitalism. He? Well, that too. Yeah, true. <laughs> Good one.
0: <laughs> and yeah, but more like at that, that, um, the opportunity of capitalism. Yeah. So yeah, that, the same that we now are, that kind of. Um, the the kind of the core philosophy of capitalism, the values of capitalism are correct.
1: Yeah, at least in uh, theory.
0: Well, and yes, the theory yes. of it. It's like, and as Jordan Peterson has said to paraphrase him, it's like, show me a system that is would work better. Yeah, like,
1: we don't have one. Yeah. And it's hard to think of how we could come up with one in a way although i still wonder about bartering but i think i'm very naive <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's for another episode but um so i guess in 2018 i you know this story and i may have even said it on the pod before but um i was working on a mine site as a mine site cleaner yes and cleaning up this office building and doing a really good job and, like, loving it, kind of, you know, feeling this sense of, like, I'm going to do this job to the best of my ability and just embrace it, even though I really didn't like that job. But listening to 12 Rules for Life as read by him, Mm. so the audio book, and how much I enjoyed it and how transformative that experience was, I actually kind of can reflect on that time and say that my life changed after reading that book. Yeah. It changed me. Yeah. And having him read it and knowing where he like tears up and oh, like wow, it's, yeah. it is so it was so personal. Yeah. Um,
1: yes, our one way friendship.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I haven't had that experience. I haven't listened to his audio books and I would like to though. I look forward to doing that.
0: I just want to say um, I suppose what really spoke to me in that book is I was convinced of not only the importance of individual responsibility, Mm -hmm. but the power of individual responsibility, how you can create the life you want. And what I love that he does is breaks things down. You know, he's a, First and foremost, he's a therapist. Mm. So, you know, in that Lex Friedman podcast that he did recently, and he... I mean, I think he talks about it all the time. He he's talks about picking your battles, yes. choosing your dragon, mm. taking the small... Like, the do the first thing. Mm. Do that. And then you can... Don't look at how big things are. Yeah. Break them down. I just... I feel like as a therapist... He's incredibly useful. Yeah. And then he extrapolates those things across. Mm. Um, I wanted to quote, well, it's, I guess I loved as well in reading his, having read 12 rules for life. He doesn't shy away from mysticism. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't call it that. No. But, you know, that, um, the archetypes. And like religion. And so there is this, um, how would I say it? There's this like value to his work that is, for me, it's like magical. Yeah. There's something, and I've always enjoyed that space. Mm. So it felt so beautifully like connected and practical and holistic. Yes. And supportive and... Dramatic. Yes. <laughs> like all the things I want. And actually. emotional.
1: There's an emotional component to him that, you know, I know that that gets him into trouble a bit because, and people criticise him for being angry white man. Um, yeah. But I actually, and, you know, of course you can see the shadow element there. But um, that to me isn't a weakness, it's just him being human. And I really applaud that, that he can be authentic. And I can see why people get um, rubbed the wrong way by it or triggered by it or whatever. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, the, we were talking a couple of episodes ago about his rant, um, Elliot Page rant, oh, yeah. Twitter rant. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I can see... Why? But I think he took the criticism that he received about that on board.
0: Oh yeah, because he published that response. Yeah, right. That you sent me, Mm. which um,
1: I can't remember. I was going to refer to that, but I couldn't remember exactly what that was. Give me a sec. I I can look it straight up. Commented on that. Um, Yeah, I just want to go on something that you said about individual responsibility and how it is. Essentially, it be- can become a superpower, mm-hmm. um, more than like a burden, which, of course, there's that side to it as well. Like, sorry, oh, it's okay.
0: <laughs> sorry, can you say that again?
1: Um, yeah, of course, there's the element of individual responsibility that is like a burden, but the side of it being, um, more like a superpower is real too, mm. you know, like where you get to take every single circumstance um, that you are in and turn it into something empowering is possible. And that's what I really like about his work is that it becomes practical in that sense of like, well, who's going to fix it? Like, yes. <laughs> And maybe you can't fix it, but you can try. You can do things. Trying
0: to, to is going to improve everything anyway. Because
1: it's an inner experience yes. of life that yes. you have to make effort. And as if and it's when you not make that. Show effort. me <laughs>
0: evidence that it's not that. It's always that. Yeah.
1: And I guess that's where it, you know, it becomes divergent from like, because um, you at the time were also studying, what were you studying? Sociology. Which, In 2016, yeah. 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 So that like comes you know, forgive me if I'm wrong and forgive my ignorance. But there is that side of it which is kind of blamey in the sense oh, of like you can't I'd say really Most
0: of what they teach of sociology is like it's someone else's fault. Yeah, where like well, you
1: can't escape your circumstances. No. Like you are confined and... Social mobility and, yeah, is yeah.
0: only available to...
1: Rich white people.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's what they <laughs> teach. Yeah.
1: So, and, you know, of course you have to acknowledge... That there's an element of truth to that, but it's also like, you know, that's not the whole truth. It's not the whole
0: truth, and it's not the it's not a rule.
1: (laughs) No, certainly not. And the only yeah, I mean, yeah. So individual responsibility is definitely a thing. Um,
0: you go. I I wanted to talk about. Well, hang on. Let me just say this. Sure. So he claims. To have spent years studying totalitarianism. Mm. And I actually was going to play a thing of him saying... Go ahead. I got the funniest memes. Oh, here we go.
3: (laughs) Goddamn thing that can be done to me to make me allow the government to compel my speech. That's not happening. And the reason for that, I believe the reason for that, is because I spent decades studying totalitarianism it's not good and the way that totalitarian states develop is that people give up their right to be to exist with their own thoughts they lie the individuals sacrifice their own souls to the dictates of the state and then everything goes badly sideways well how much evidence for that do we need the lies and tyranny of the state are aided and abetted by the moral sacrifice of the individual it's not talked down the Nazis are telling you what to do and you're all innocent and obeying. That's not how it works. You falsify your, your being bit by bit and you end up where you don't want to be. And that's a bad idea. Fuck.
0: So that, that just about moves me to tears. I uh, reckon. Because that's... Sociology will tell you otherwise. Mm. The left will tell you otherwise. Yeah. That it's top-down and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. And you know what happens then? People give up their personal power. They go, okay, well, I'll just give up.
1: Yeah. Because it's the right thing to do for the greater good and we all just have to get along and...
0: It's like, actually, for fuck's sake, the power is within you. You have... And that's... So that's old. That's him arguing about...
1: The Canadian.
0: When they tried to say that he had to address people by...
1: Their pronouns. Their pronouns. Yeah.
0: And I mean... I forget what that was. super problematic, but...
1: But he saw it coming from all that time ago. So yeah. that was like 2016, wasn't it? That was when he sort of came into the public eye so much more. But, um, yeah.
0: I was wondering, I've never heard him reference Hannah Arendt.
1: No, nor me. I haven't either.
0: And I I, the, I couldn't find anything with Matthias Desmet and Jordan Peterson.
1: no. Which is frustrating. Matthias
0: wrote a book called Psychology of Totalitarianism. So if and when we get to meet Jordan Peterson and I, would be, that would be my question. Have you read that book? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Why haven't you come out about it? I know that it could be controversial for him to, especially now that he's aligned with ultra-conservatives.
1: Daily Wire. Yeah. Mm.
0: But so I searched for jordan peterson hannah Arendt on the internet and couldn't find any direct references but mm. i found a small essay on Substack. peter clark oh no it's wordpress so it's just just random i clicked on it from it was a brave search um so the politics of slaying the dragon hannah Arendt and jordan peterson wow. it's really concise yeah but i i just wanted to read a little bit if i can While dragons themselves do not exist, there is an aspect of slaying the dragon that plays true in our everyday lives. Dr. Jordan Peterson's example of slaying the dragon combines with Hannah Arendt's ideas of politics as action in the public realm. Hannah Arendt writes on ancient Greek society that what prevented the polis from violating the private lives of its citizens and made it hold sacred the boundaries surrounding each property was not respect for private property as we understand it, but the fact that without owning a house, a man could not participate in the affairs of the world because he had no location in, which in it which was properly its own. Mm. So he kind of expands on that, referencing Martin Heidegger. But basically, this is why the private realm is so important. It is a realm for which one has to himself... And does not have to venture out and engage in politics for. Dr. Peterson explains the need to clean one's room as a psychological phenomena in this context. Cleaning one's room is the imposition of order upon chaos, a transformative, godlike action in which one establishes something which is necessarily theirs. This establishes the private realm which is crucial for participation in the public realm and engagement in politics. And it goes on um but i just think that that's super like exploring that idea that mm. really core idea it's rule number 6 mm. of jordan peterson um of the book 12 rules for life yeah it's been paraphrased into make your bed but it's set your house in order before you criticize the world yeah and but i love thinking about that yeah and you know he was if you kind of google or like search on YouTube, Jordan Peterson Mm Q&A, the first thing that pops up is that leftist chick that Mm -hmm. says, why don't you tell us to do something actually useful, not just clean up our room? Mm -hmm. That's really – and basically he expands into that. But It's like you've got to set your shit in order (laughs) before you can organise the world. Yeah,
1: and it is – And
0: also kind of how dare you criticise – when you don't, you're not even, what are you actually doing? Yeah.
1: It is a form of neurosis, um, you know, referring back to Jung's definition of neurosis being like inauthentic suffering. Hey, mm-hmm. eh? It's like if you've got a problem out there in the world and you can go protest for the right to an abortion, for example, mm. and that allows you to avoid the real mess in your life, mm. That's neurotic. That's like by definition. And that, I think that's a huge part of the issue is that kids today mm. take no responsibility <laughs> <laughs> for cleaning up their fucking room.
0: <laughs> Back in I my day. I can say that because <laughs> my
1: room is a pigsty. <laughs> Much worse than my kids.
0: <laughs> I also I love that... You know, on his um, his media, you know, they, they kind of take cuts of things that he says, little snippets, mm-hmm. um, really simple things like conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. Yeah. So that's such a profound...
1: <sighs> Usable.
0: Four words. Oh,
1: man. I know, it's I like love that It's like this summary
0: of like Jung yeah. <laughs> in four words. Yeah, well,
1: that would be a question that I have for him, which um, because in that Lex Friedman conversation, which was wonderful, he mentioned some psychologists who have influenced him mm-hmm. but omitted Jung. Yeah. And I want to know why, mm. because he's clearly studied Jung Unless he's the reincarnation of Jung. <laughs> uh, no.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's referenced Jung in the past, so I know, it could yeah, be some yeah. kind of allegiance with these conservatives that he's with now. And I mean I, mm. I hope that Dr. Peterson listens to this. I'm prepared to I'm not accusing you, Doctor Peterson, of you know, compelling your speech because you've signed a big contract. Yeah, with
1: no, no. And he's of course he's a free thinking Human and he will speak his mind, and I'm sure that that, yeah,
0: yeah. But it, it's, I would wonder that too.
1: Just because, yeah. I mean, of course, I've also heard him mention Jung in the past, and mm. um, I'm sure that I, I just wondered if it was an intentional omission, um, because there's so much for me. I find so much common ground between his work and Jung's work. Mm. And I do read a lot of Jung and mm-hmm. I I can easily make the, you know, comparisons between them. So, like, for example, the Mep- Mephistophelian shadow, he always refers, or often refers to Mephisto. Mep- Mephisto, I'm going to call him. Mustafa. Um, <laughs> out of, fat, like, um, Goethe's Faust. Right. The shadow in that duality. Um, But that's a very Jungian shadow concept. Um, And, you know, his psychological interpretation of biblical stories and Mm. other stories, other myths. Um, So, yeah, I would ask, how do you differentiate from Jung? How does he differentiate from Jung's perspectives? Because if it was intentional that he left out Jung's name in his... I mean, it was just a few names that he dropped. So perhaps it was very – he did mention Freud. um, And I guess maybe he's, you know, wanting to just put in – you know, give props to Freud for good reason. You know, I like a lot of – I mean, Freud made meaningful contributions to psychology. There would be no depth psychology if it weren't for Freud, Mm -hmm. arguably – Would there have been a Jung if there had been no Freud? Don't know. Certainly not a Jung as well differentiated as he was, as Mm. he became, because it was Freud that allowed Jung to, you know, push back and become who he was. So, yeah, Mm. I would really be interested to hear him comment on that. And, yeah, I've got lots of, well, several questions here. I i've looked at his chart a lot yes go on um i i find it incredibly interesting okay so i'll just read what i've written here because the conversation he had with ian McGillchrist a few weeks ago and i'm a huge fan of ian McGillchrist. i do not have his latest book which is called the matter with things because it's like four hundred dollars um in hardback so I'm waiting for the paperback version (laughs) Mm -hmm. desperately Um, but I listen to as much Ian McGilchrist as I can for free on YouTube which is a lot he's very generous Um, but in that conversation they discuss awe and wonder as being imperative to a life well lived and for me astrology is among the things that always evokes that sense for me you know like as soon as i start wondering about some circumstance some event that happens in the world a person um, and i have a look at the chart and the whole thing just sort of opens up and comes together at the same time it's like so i i've heard jordan and peterson dr peterson mention astrology in passing in a somewhat dismissive manner um and of course i understand that to publicly align oneself with astrology is career suicide (laughs) no one's going to do it um but i wonder if privately (laughs) if he's you know open to it because there's just so much you know beauty in it and um i think Being such an intelligent and open-minded person oh he just caught because he's got those personality type things that you can test yourself for so there's like five personality traits what are they conscientiousness Mm -hmm. agreeableness Mm -hmm. openness Um, i forget i'm sure there's five of them though um i think Yeah, he would get so much out of astrology because even in a simple example, like um, without getting too personal, having the south node conjunct Saturn in Aquarius in the 10th house, which he has. So the south node being like broadly like our past, perhaps even like our fate Mm. and those limitations that we are confined by and bound to that can become quite a a burden and a trap um, and, you know, the ground for suffering and difficulty and being stuck. But, and especially with Saturn there too, that is so limiting and restricting and confining and, you know, um, oppressive, even um, obstructing certainly, but also that wisdom side of Saturn Mm -hmm. and that elder role that he plays and the personal responsibility that he advocates so strongly for. Hmm. Um, And, you know, even in a very um, simple sense, Saturn is cold and hard and dry and he, you know, it's like, Hey Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) But he's also not that because opposite to that, he, you know, his chart is ruled by Venus. He has Venus in cancer Right at the base of his chart, right in the depths of his chart. So this deep appreciation for beauty yes. and this emotional well inside of him that is so easy to tap. Like he's so quick to tear up when mm. and it's authentic. You know, there's no, he's not acting when he's doing no. that. He j- like it's just so pure and real and, you know.
0: He clearly f- feels <laughs> deeply. Yeah. And I'm reminded of that um, Nathaniel Brandon quote that I sent oh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, feel deeply to think clear- clearly. That's the best. Say it again. Feel deeply to think clearly. Yes. Um, he Say does it. that. Yes. He is organic. Do you know what? That actually, I don't want to interrupt you. No, but no, go. That brings me to a question that I, I'm actually yet to kind of form. Um but around self esteem, because Nathaniel Brandon wrote the book, The Six Pillars of Self Esteem. That's right. And his, yeah. he was a, a psych, psychologist. I just, Psychologist. Right.
1: So he. Right. So I'd never made that connection. Sorry. Between that, what you. The video you sent. Right. And that book. Okay. So that makes and sense.
0: And he had a lifelong affair with Ayn Rand.
1: Yes. Wow. So.
0: It's interesting because I loved Nathaniel Brandon's book. Mm. I feel quite connected to his work. and yet to kind of really explore it, but I, for me, d- like the concept of self-esteem and developing, improving self-esteem as one's like a, as your relationship with oneself, mm. so useful, critical, absolutely critical for mobility in the world. Yes, but Jordan Peterson, Dr. Peterson, has. Been critical of the idea of mm. self-esteem, mm. and so I definitely have a question around that, and we've which sort of- I hopefully will get to ask. <laughs> and if we get an opportunity, I will form a clear question.
1: Yes, good. Well, I, that's been my what I've been working with this last week is trying to form some clear questions for him, and this is our love letter. So <laughs> I hope you, I hope you'll come. Um, We're at half an hour for okay. our love <laughs> <laughs> okay. Time well, flies. it does. I, I'll just um, quickly go back to this where I was going with this south, yes, nodes, south node Saturn thing. Um, so in Aquarius, which is very, you know, forward thinking, an air sign, very mental, very logical, very, you know, that log, logos thing that, you know, dr peterson's very enamored of logos and i can see why you know um and i wonder how he reconciles it with eros as a concept and also he discusses with ian McGillchrist about the logos versus mythos um but all of this you know ties into this saturn south node aquarius dynamic which all plays out in his 10th house of calling and mission and purpose vocation and he you know what he represents to people who don't know him Mm -hmm. so it's just this incredibly so it's like he came bearing the burdens and gifts of this aquarius south node conjunct saturn so it was always going to be difficult um, but the way that he has expressed it, the use that he has made of that, obviously with the south node in Aquarius, his north node is in Leo, so he's got to be on a stage of a sort. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on the world stage. He's huge as a phenomenon. So he's quite um,
0: something on a stage, I think. Yeah. I think he's- presence
1: i mean it's it's remarkable really and as astrology always is when you sit and look or or listen to someone speak their experience while i reference the chart it's always mind-blowing but and you can only obviously go so far with like a famous person a celebrity but because so much can be seen and known of them without having an actual conversation it's it's a good way to learn um but, yeah, I mean there's so much going on just with that and then you add he's got Taurus rising in his chart mm. with Mars in Taurus um, opposite to Neptune in Scorpio. So this, you know, that creates this fixed cross dynamic similar to that which we're all living through, you know, recent in recent times mm. in the collective. Um, so it's very personal for him and interesting that, of course, these... The transits that sort of um, were happening in the more difficult times of his recently where he ended up in Russia. And I said I wasn't going to get too personal and listen to me.
0: I know. I'm not sure. (laughs) Edit
1: it. Well, this is what you're
0: up for, Dr. Peterson. Yeah, well. Should you come on the Turning Signals podcast? No. But
1: But, yeah, I mean... As well, being born under the sun in Gemini, which is connected to the constellation of the twins, of course, and the Greek mythological Castor and Pollux, which bears much archetypal resemblance to the story of Cain and Abel, who he oh, references yes. frequently. It's his
0: kind of foundation. Yeah.
1: So I love that. You know, like yes. that alone, you could take out all of that South Node stuff and just say, you know, teaser that. It's um
0: There's a few of our listeners that I've spoken with recently who are not familiar with Dr. Peterson. Right. Um may have heard his name but have not heard him. I wanted to play a little bit from the Lex Friedman podcast. Mm. Is that okay with you? Yes. Um one second. Me.
3: It's like, Wow. Well, and where everyone else is running around going, Oh, there's too many people. It's like, nope. Got that. Not only see I've learned that there are falsehoods and lies and there are anti-truths. And an anti-truth is something that's so preposterous that you couldn't you couldn't make a claim that's more opposite to the truth. And the claim that there are too many people on the planet is an anti-truth. So, you know, people say, Well, you have to accept limits to growth and etc. It it's like I have to accept the limits that you're going to impose on me because you're frightened of the future. That's your theory, is it? Okay. Well, it's an idea. It could be a right idea. It could be a wrong idea. I don't think any truth... Here, I'll tell you why it's the wrong idea, Mm -hmm. I think. So imagine that there's an emergency. Dragon. There's a dragon. Someone comes and says, there's a dragon. I'm the guy to deal with it. That's what the environmentalists say the radical types who push limits to growth, then I look at them and I think, okay, is that dragon real or not? That's one question. Well, I ask that the, question of myself every time when the, I spend time alone. Is the apocalypse looming on the environmental front? Yes or no? I'll just leave that aside for the time being. I think you can make a case both ways for a bunch of different reasons. And it's not a trivial concern. And we've overfished the oceans terribly. And there are Environmental issues that are looming large. Whether climate change is the cardinal one or not is a whole different question, but we won't get into that. That's not the issue. You're clamoring about a dragon. Okay, why should I listen to you? Well, let's see how you're reacting to the dragon. First of all, you're scared, stiff, and in a state of panic. That might indicate you're not the man for the job. Second, you're willing to use compulsion to harness other people to fight the dragon for you. So now not only are you terrified, you're a terrified tyrant. So then I would say, well, then you're not the Moses that we need to lead us out of this particular exodus. And maybe that's a neurological explanation. It's like, if you're so afraid of what you're facing, that you're terrified into paralysis and nihilism, and that you're willing to use tyrannical compulsion to get your way, you are not the right leader for the time.
0: I was quite impressed with that, combined with his response, the one that you sent me of, mm. um, what was it He was addressing the Deloitte analysts who were pushing the agenda of, oh, well, that agenda, like, mm. you know, going green and they're pushing the green agenda. What what did he call that? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Back off, oh, masters of the universe.
2: Yeah a good one. Yeah,
0: and again he you know he's he's arguing it's like do you think that the solution to the environmental problems of the world is to make poor people poorer? Yeah, well that to, was like decrease prosperity. <clears throat> it's
1: Yeah, that was something I was going to say, you know, when you were talking about the troubles with the Antifa at the drag if you combine that mess with the mess of energy poverty or whatever they're calling it and all the food shortages and things like that that are just worsening it's just this perfect storm brewing it's it seems Uh, uh, inevitable that things are going to get quite real mm, (laughs) quite quickly
0: yes um Um, yes yes
1: i've probably said enough.
0: Have you? Well, yes. Is there I more mean, you want to say?
1: No, not not really. I mean, I have more questions, but um I feel like that's probably enough.
0: Okay, well, I hope I didn't impinge.
1: Oh, no. Not at all.
0: Um we maybe I'll, I haven't checked what the criteria is for like approaching his people for an interview. Mm. We may need to record something specific or yeah. um, we'll see how we go. Uh, okay, so thank you everyone for listening. I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you would take away from this season? So, anything you've learned or any kind of philosophy that you've really come to embrace that's like with you now? Is there some kind of evolution that's taken place for you? Over the last few oh, months.
1: Undoubtedly. Um, but I don't know if I can name it on the spot. I I've, I've very much enjoyed, you know, what we've been doing. Mm. I think it's a keeper.
0: <laughs> Same. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, obviously we're learning, still learning and, you know, plenty of room for improvement, but I think we've started strong. Mm. Strong enough, at least. Uh, And, yeah, for a season one, I feel content with season one.
2: Okay, good. And grateful.
1: And, you know, grateful to you and grateful to our audience. And especially our patrons. Yes. And, yeah, look forward to more. Look forward to... Blowing up. Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) Not even necessarily, but just like, you know, turning pro more and more. Yeah. You know, lifting my game, getting better at what we're doing here. And
0: and going transcontinental. Yeah. Um, Yes, I I mean, I've learnt so much and, yeah, really enjoyed the opportunity to develop. But at this time, um, something that's really been with me for the last couple of weeks and stays with me is um, Jung's Psychology and Alchemy. Yeah. This quote...
1: Have you been reading it?
0: No, I haven't. I've packed it away to take to Sydney.
1: Oh, good on you. Um, there are some gold parts.
0: The meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. Mm. If there is any reaction, both are transformed. mm I love that. Yeah. But I love thinking about it also in the context of, like, theatre. As, like, an actor, you have this opportunity. It's physical and it's chemical. Mm. And if you move into a space and your energy, which is, like, chemical and physical, (laughs) has an effect on that space, then the audience is transformed and so too are you transformed. Yes. And so it, like the whole deal is like chemical. Yes. I love thinking about it. Yeah. The power of it. And it's not just sweetness and light. No. It's also dark. You need you it. You have negative more. interactions. Yeah. That you, it transforms both your chemistry and like to feel negatively. Yeah. So that's something that um, it's a direction that I'll be kind of looking in moving into season two.
1: Exciting. Mm. I look forward to it. I've got a little quote from Elaine de Awesome. The root of kindness is knowing that you are sinful. If you can accept that you are not a totally good person, then you can start to accept that others are not going to be totally good either. It's a virtuous cycle of charity. In our culture, we condemn too much and we understand so little.
0: Mm. It's great.
1: Well, I love it because he's got sun in Sagittarius Square, Pluto in Virgo. And, um, yeah, I mean, something to be said for charity, which Oxford defines as kindness and tolerance in judging others. Oh, wow. And archaic love of humankind. <laughs> we could all do with a bit of that. And that's very, you know, Virgo for me. It's like the humility and imperfection, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah oh, that's a lovely note to finish on, Zoe all right, well, one hour forty eight forty eight should do it <laughs> <laughs> if you're still here, we thank you.
1: yes, indeed, thank you.
0: thank you, Zoe.
1: Thank you, Liam.
0: Uh, look forward to catching you on the flip side.
1: Sayonara. Sayonara.